Welcome to Extem Talk. Today is March 25th, 2020, and I'm your host, Brayferman Sepp. Today, we'll be talking about the carbon tax and why it's bad, followed by a segment on understanding climate alarmism and its negative effects as a whole. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. In the 60s, it was, we're all going to die of ice. In the 70s, it was, we'll all burn to death by 1990. In the 1990s, it was, we'll be dead by 2000. When Al Gore came around in 2000, it was, Florida would be underwater in 2010. Well, I can tell you, Mr. Gore, after being in Florida, living in Florida for nearly a decade, I can tell you this. It is certainly dry and there, and is certainly not underwater. And according to recent predictions, we'll all, we'll all be dead in 15 years if we don't fix climate change. For the last 50 years of human history, climate change has been a political and philosophical topic that has been brought up time and time again. And has been proven false time and time again. And today, we're reviewing the carbon tax. The idea of in order to reduce carbon emissions by taxing carbon use. Asking it, forcing us to ask the question today. Should the United States adopt a carbon tax system? The answer is no for two reasons. First is because of Canada. And second is because it is unconstitutional. Now... That's my first point of Canada. Now, as it turns out, is that the Canadian province of British Columbia currently has a currently has a carbon tax system currently in place. And here are some of the effects of this. Now, according to the Financial Post on October twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, is that overall the actual the actual carbon tax having negative effect on the British Columbian economy. And not only this, is that there was, according to Food and Water Watch, on, November, on, on October 24th, 2016, is as it turns out, is that this really did not do anything. Now, if you look at charts of British Columbia gas emissions, carbon emissions, you're going to see that it actually has decreased. But according to Food and Water Watch, that is only what happened from non-taxed sources. You see, the actual tax did not, did not tax all carbon. If you look at the amount on the carbon that was actually taxed, emissions actually rose by around 2%. So in other words, the carbon tax really doesn't do anything to stop climate change, meaning that a carbon tax is virtually useless and will only cause negligible effects on the economy. Now, on to my second point of the Constitution. Now, according to Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 of the Constitution of the United States, is that no taxes can be put on an American-made good by Congress. So now what this means is that the Constitution prohibits 
Congress from placing taxes on, let's say, American-made cards, American-made keyboards, American-made cups simply cannot be taxed. But the fact is, though, is that under a carbon tax system, you would be taxing American-made goods. And that is because the carbon which is burned in the United States would be taxed. And because the carbon itself is an American-made good, it is technically unconstitutional to tax to tax carbon. So once again, you must ask yourselves the question, should the United States of America adopt a carbon tax system? And the answer is no for two reasons. First, is that is that frankly because of Canada? Second, is because it violates the constitution. So, I say this. The United States is going to be here in 2025, in 2030, in 2040, and 2050. If history has been shown, is that climate change is false. Florida is still going to be dry. Disneyland's going to still be fine. But the fact is, though, is will our energy be here? Well, thank you. We'll be back after this short break. Climate change alarmism. Or climate change. How many times I can tell you how I've seen people from my generation get up and are literally believing that they're going to die within the next 20 years due to some phantom heat? Now, I'm guessing if you guys have not figured out that I'm a climate change skeptic, I do not believe in climate change. I believe in a theory of solar climatology, but... As of right now, that's beside the point. So, today, these days, turn on your TV. Hell, just go watch any Democratic debate. You'll always almost find the idea of climate change. The idea that we're all going to die due to pumping... CO2 into the atmosphere. My generation literally thinks that they're all going to die in the next 10, 12, 15, 20 years. That by the time we become, if you're a parent your age, become 30, 40, 50, they will be dead. Today, that belief is commonplace. Go to any high school. At mine, there's a cloak called Save Left What's Left. 
go to any school newspaper, it would seem that every couple of years, every couple of months, there's an article, at least one article or, or one theme of the entire magazine per year, is climate change. In schools, we're taught about how climate change is an existential threat. When we turn on TV, my generation, we have activists, politicians, presidents, senators, representatives, all saying that if we don't stop climate change, we're all going to die. When we go to college, what we learn there is that we're all going to die. And what is, well, I mean, I'm kind of one to say is that my generation is kind of screwed now. I don't think it's because of climate change. I think it's because of this whole national debt. But my generation is literally blowing up the idea of climate change. The idea that within your lifetime, Within our parents, and if you're a parent, your lifetime, that we're all going to die. By 2060, Florida's going to be underwater. That that literally, and most of us won't be able to grow up until until our 80s, 90s. Won't be able to live a long and fruitful life because of power. And it is truly saddening and and depressing to see that my generation believes that. Now I got to see, I need to say this, is that for all of those who are listening right now, if you believe in climate change, I'm just going to say this, is that yes, there is a climate to do change that's been happening since the 6,000 years ago when the Earth was created. Once again, I'm also a young Earth creationist. So, yes, you can bash me on that. But let's just put in the case. So let's try counters to evolution right now. Now, okay, if you don't want to listen, turn the radio off. If you do, if you're intrigued, or if you literally want to hate listening to me, go ahead. So... I'm a young earth creationist, so if you're a Christian, let's put this from a Christian position. So, if you look at, so let's take this. So, climate change. So, the earth has been around for 6,000 years. Yeah, right? So, the climate has changed within that time. But... What is arguably the greatest time of climate change to have ever happened in, in the history of Earth? It was the global flood taken, taken place 4,000 years ago. 
I mean, there is nothing that's going to change the climate more than volcanoes, water. Like, the flood was arguably the greatest time of climate change. If you look at that, is that, like, we were not, that we did not, well, I mean, well, most of humankind did die in it, but that's judgment. No, it's because of judgment. The fact is that afterwards, life was able to survive that climate change. If you remember, is that following the Ice Age, because of all the warm water, all that water would have evaporated and would have gone to the sky and cooled down. Now, when that happened, the water, when it precipitated back onto the Earth, it would have fallen as snow. This is also because when the volcanoes were going off during the flood, it also created ash, or the idea of a, what's the word, not a nuclear winter, but a volcanic winter. Might be using the term wrong, but if you look at evolutionary history, the theory is, is that when a volcano erupts, or when a super volcano erupts, or a large massive volcano erupts at the same time, ash collects in the atmosphere. That blocks sun rays, meaning that the Earth is practically blocked from getting warmer. So what happened because of that, many of the water that evaporated after the flood fell back as what? Ice and snow. And because of the ash in the atmosphere, the Earth went into an ice age. So what happened, so you go from, well, we don't know the climate of pre-flood Earth, but let's suppose it's temperate. So you go from a temperate climate to everything being destroyed. So you have very rapid climate change there. Then after that, you have an ice age, which also sharply, drastically decreases, drastic, just drastic climate change. Then after that's over, you see that the Earth recovers from that. So my point is, is that, yes, is that Earth has survived climate change in the past, so we're most likely fine. And if anything... Well, I mean, we're not dealing with ash anymore, so that's not really heat. But, and if you're a Christian or whatever religion you are, you believe that your God is sustaining the earth. Yeah, you're, that God is the ultimate sustainer. And the last time I checked, if you're a Christian, well, I can't speak to Muslims, Buddhists, I do not know your, to your, your guys' books, but if you're a Christian... God says, God is the sustainer of the world. He will sustain Earth. We're not deists who say that God created everything then just went out of the picture. God actively takes a part in sustaining the Earth. So, and God said the world would not be destroyed until apocalypse, the judging, the judgment. So in other words, Climate change is not really a problem from a theological point of view. Now, let's get down for those of you who are either agnostic or don't believe in the Bible. Let's get down to hardcore science. Or, yes, let's just get down to science. So let's go back to a theological point. So if you believe in evolution, the idea of the Earth being billions of years old. So... 
And that's what a lot of people who, if I'm correct, that's where a lot of those things come to. So if you believe in that, let's look at evolutionary history. In the past, during other period, before the dinosaurs, that Earth was much warmer in the past, In if you follow the evolutionary record. So, let's again, climate change would not be a problem because the Earth has actually thrived under more under more carbon dioxide. So, there goes your evolutionary. That's from the evolutionary problems that life has dealt with us before. This is nothing new. We're not all going to die. Now, let's also think through this kind of slowly. Well, no warning. So, let's look at this. So, carbon dioxide is literally food for plants. Uh, this is just basic tenets of science. So, if it were true, wouldn't carbon, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, just mean more plants, as plants would just take in and push out oxygen faster? So, more carbon dioxide in the actual atmosphere just kind of means that, just means that more and more, Oxygen just going to be put out in the atmosphere. Nothing really big to worry about. Next thing is also is that the idea. What was I want to say? Man, sometimes you have to eat extemporaneous speaking because you can forget what you are in mid sentence. Okay, so another thing that we also got to see is. Let's look at let's look at history. So let's look at the average temperature during the Roman warm period. Okay, so let's see this. So, in the times of the Romans, so there has been times of natural things where there is an increase. Well, let's see. So, there were in past times in history, there have been cold and warm periods in history. Now, Let's look now. One of these was a was otherwise known as the Roman War period. Let me see here. So according to this CO two science, this whole thing. So let's look at this. So around so the Roman Rome period, according to this, peaked in AD one thousand one hundred fifty, having risen more than one degree Celsius. And then after that, it fell rapidly by two point two degrees Celsius. So let's see this. How many 
change in temperature due to climate change. Okay, let's look at this. So according to this, climate.gov, on January 16th, 2020, it would seem in 2020, it was, this thing was average at about 0 0.9 degrees increase with an increase in temperature, peaking in 2016 at 1 degree Celsius. Is this Celsius or... Yep, Celsius, global temperature. So we see here is that, if you look at this chart, the actual increase in temperature is about as much as it was during the Roman, during the Roman warm period. And this is not, a, and this is not something to worry about. This is following historical trends. And now, if we let's look at the years beforehand. So let's look at the earliest year of 1882, where there was a drop of negative 0.1 degrees. Now, once again, is that in, let's look at the peak of this in, let's look, yeah, 1900, it decreased by 0.5 degrees. So what we see here is that in around the year 1940, you saw a increase in global temperatures and a decrease followed by an increase followed by a decrease followed by decrease increase decrease increase then it starts skyrocketing since 70 since 1977 so we kind of see here is that up until the year 19 yet 1940 or on the period of 1940 it would seem that there was actually a cool trend in the world Above, there was actually a cooler trend. There's been a trend in cooling temperatures since the Industrial Age. Now, this, I would reckon, is actually kind of weird is because humanity, remember, we began burning coal well before 1920. As we can see here, in 1920, there was an actual decrease of 0 0.4 degrees Celsius in 1917. So we can see here is that it was a cool period beforehand. So honestly, is what this graph is kind of showing here over the past 200 years or so, around 200, yeah, good 130 years, is simply times changing from a cold period of temperatures to a warm period. So we see here is a small cold period followed by a warm period, and this is this is just shown throughout history. Remember, the same thing happened in medieval times. You had the medieval warm period, and then the medieval cold period. So the, this kind of just shows that this is a natural trend. And now, I'm not going to say this is that 
humanity has not actually that man has not had an an actual impact on increasing temperatures. I'm just going to say it's actually very small. That the actual temperature increase, the temperature increase due to humanity, is relatively small compared to the rest, to everything else. So, how do we explain this? So, this is the idea of solar climatology. So. The theory of solar climatology shows says is, is basically this, is that there's a correlation between sunspots on the sun and warm periods on Earth. So let me see this. It's been a while since I read about this. Climatology. Ah, here's a graph right here. So, I'm looking at a graph. If you want to look at it, go to Wikipedia. So we can see... Total solar irritants. I'm guessing, yes. Total solar irritants and temperature. So go on to Wikipedia... Right now, this is a NASA graph, if this thing is correct. And look at this. So, and sol total solar irritants, that has to do with sunspots. So let's look at this. So if you look at 2020, it's actually quite low. Solar irritants is quite low. But temperatures are actually quite high. So what this means... in Look at this right here is that well, these solar temperatures is that they, they correlate. These things kind of correlate with spikes and increase in temperature and decreases in temperature. So that's kind of what we show right here. What's this graph is showing. So what this means is that the actual sun actually does affect climate. And when the sun has low sunspots or low, you know, doesn't, the actual, oh wait, is it, is it high? Actually, over the past, yeah, according to this is actually, is, that actually is quite weird right here, it stays flat. Anyway, so yeah, according to this thing, kind of seems like when it's, high, it's low when it's high. When solar resistance high, the thing raises. Then when it lowers, the thing lowers. So they're correlating. So now what this kind of means, though, is that the sun affects the temperature right here. And that's what we see in the historical data. Is that, temp is that the sun affects the temperature. And that's what's responsible for climate change. And this is a natural cycle. If I'm correct, current estimates state that we should be going into a cooling period now. So my point right here is that, is that we're not all going to die of climate change within the next 20 years. So, and that's 
kind of what I wanted to say. So now I kind of want to say this is that, so let's kind of look at the actual effects of these. So let's say that we were to shut off carbon and move to renewables. So let's look at renewable energies. Wind, solar, geothermal, and the others. As it turns out is that renewable energies tend to be higher. Let's look at this. So average renewable. So let me just explain this. So renewable energy costs more than coal or natural gases. To coal. Coal and oil. So Let's see this. Uh. Okay, so let's look at this. This is a conference the this is an article from the conversation. Published, let's see, doesn't say. Okay, yes, July 17th, 2017. And let's look at coal compared to, compared to wind energy. So according to this thing, in 2017, coal, pretty much coal generation costs less than $40 per month. While energy, while wind energy costs sixty to seventy dollars per month, so once again, is that this is nearly a twenty to thirty dollar increase in energy prices? And let's see this. What is the usual? And let's kind of point this at this. So, who is this going to hurt? So. And there's so twenty to thirty dollar increase in energy prices for the everyday American. That is a lot of money, especially since most of us are living paycheck to paycheck. I'm betting most of you listeners cannot afford a twenty to thirty dollar increase in your energy. So now, who's going to hurt? This is going to hurt the everyday American who's not going to be able to pay for energy anymore. This is specifically going to hurt the poor people because poor people they can barely afford energy as it is now. And with a $30 spike, they won't be able to pay. So my point here is this, is that what this would cause, if we were to switch over to complete renewables, it would cause a high increase in energy prices across the board, which would mean less energy for us. And let's think about it. What does it mean if you can't pay your energy bills? It means you can't operate laptops, computers, Microphones, you can't charge your phone, you can't. Our entire economy now is based off of all the internet. 
if you can't access the internet, you're kind of screwed at that point. Think about how much of our industry today is online. If people can't access the internet, you just found yourself a roadblock. Now, I must give energy activists some credit, is that if you're for nuclear energy, which actually does produce more and can be cheaper than coal. So good job to those energy activists who actually want to use nuclear energy. But my point is, if we were to switch it to renewables, it would hurt the poor guy. It wouldn't hurt the little guy. Because let's look at reality, is that who buys solar panels? It's the rich people. Who buys electric cars? It's the rich people. I remember reading in my school newspaper is that one of the ways, one of the things that they were describing is, is was saying is that how do you battle climate change and the climate change edition? The newspaper. And as it turned out is, and that was one of the things that they, that they actually kind of recommended is switch to an energy car. And let's... Okay. Oh, wait. According to this article that I'm reading on, according to Energy Sage on... November 15, 2018, it actually is cheaper all around. Is that actually that energy costs, the energy cars actually do cost less, significantly less, like $485 to $1,117 saved. Okay, but my point is here is that to buy an actual energy car, it costs a lot of money. Maintenance, let's just put this out, is that it, it just costs a lot of money, and it's only rich people. So right now, the people that are following all, your, all the guidelines are the rich guys. The fact is, if we're, is that if poor people were to start taking these measures, they'll go bankrupt. So... I guess my point here is that climate alarmism, we're not all going to die in the next 10, 20, 15 years. We'll all be here. And if we were to take many of these things, go go bankrupt. And finally, is that it acts, it's only the British people that are really following these. So I hope you appreciated this talk and have a good day. Well, that's the end of the show for today. Hope you enjoyed. If you liked it, please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, press like. Leave her a good review. If you're on any others, I don't know how most of them work, but click the like or follow button. I hope to see you tomorrow on another episode of Extem Talk. Have a good day.